Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Extra, extra, read all about it. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like that. There Good go. choice. Yay. I feel sometimes like I got you're... creative again. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say that sometimes you're like, your leaps and your creativity really fail. And sometimes <laughs> they really work. It's peaks and valleys over here. Peaks and valleys. Yeah. They can't all be beep, 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 beep. <laughs> it's traffic. <laughs> did you, I never understood. Did you get what I was doing? Oh, I totally did. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, but I understood it with the beep, 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 beep. It yeah. was the, it's traffic that was... That was your favorite part. part. Okay. Guys, listen to our traffic episode from season one. Yes, please do. Season one. (laughs) Mita, we have a huge episode. Like, it's big. A lot. A lot has transpired in the last week. So many things. It also, like, when our listeners are listening to this, this is the end of the year, guys. This is the end of the year. We made it. It is December 14th for Mita and I, so we were about two weeks ahead of schedule. Mm -hmm. But yes, this is releasing on New Year's Eve. Is it New Year's Eve? The th- I think it's the 30th. I know okay, I have my so calendar. Okay, so New Year's Eve, Eve. Eve, Eve. No, the 29th. So Eve, Eve, Eve. Eve, 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 Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that's when it's releasing. Okay. But the things we have to talk about. Mm. You, th- you have your itinerary, but you know what you forgot to include? What did I forget? Golden Globe nominations. Oh my goodness. I haven't even really looked at them if I'm being perfectly honest. I know they're not as Golden Globes. I think have like slipped really, especially since like NBC has dropped them as a broadcast, and yeah. like a lot of a lot of ish happening. So we'll have to see what happens with that. But mm-hmm. it is the biggest awards to start award season. season. Yeah, yeah. Like we are officially in award season, which is so exciting. It's my which favorite. Is so season. exciting. It's yeah. my favorite season too. Oh my gosh! So we won't necessarily. I think we could we could talk briefly about. The GG nominations, yeah, not I necessarily the awards. I didn't do a, a glimpse, dig. A glimmer. Yeah, a, I didn't yeah. do a dig. I didn't do a dig it's, They're actually pretty, like, reasonable. Big, I think, miss right now mm-hmm. is Jennifer Hudson didn't get nominated for Respect. Now, I have seen Respect. You have? Uh, yes. Yeah. I've talked about it on this podcast. You have, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that that's a miss. Really? Yeah. I think she does fine in it. I think that movie in itself is just like a very poorly written film and while her performance is is good in it i just feel like it's giving us things that we already know about jennifer hudson we know she can sing we know she can be a little spicy um but it's nothing like new or fascinating and nothing i was like wowed by so i don't like we've already seen it in dream girls yeah pretty much okay yeah and in sex in the city Oh, yeah. The movie. And she was Louise from St. Louis. <laughs> We've seen it all from J-Head. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's fair. Yeah. I think she's the only big one. I think, generally speaking, everyone who was supposed to get nominated did. Mm-hmm. Dune got a Best Picture nomination. Yeah, it did. Which is really good. And there everything else is There three kind of... female directors or two? Jane Campion. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Oh, I thought there was and a I third. I think that was it. Okay, then there was two. I think, But there was two. Two, yeah. Which is, you know, an improvement. From none. <laughs> so that was very exciting. But that was actually, interestingly enough, the least exciting thing of the things that happened. What is the most exciting thing? 
I don't know. Do we talk about Nadim and Mita the movies or the other thing first? Oh, let's talk about the other thing first and okay. then we'll go into our movies. Do you want? Okay. I feel Fair good enough. about that. Yeah. Okay. So. so well, you start. No, you start. Speaking of sex in the city. <laughs> yes. Did um, we speak of? Yes, we did speak of sex. I did. I brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> you did. You see what I did there? Um, yeah, I did. I, I, did you watch it? You watched it, right? I did. We both watched the the second coming of Sex and the City and Just Like That. That's the title of it. And uh, by now it's the end of December. So everybody knows what's going on with that show yeah. for the most part, or at least the first two episodes, because that is what was released this past week. And I have feelings <laughs> about it, but I want to hear your feelings first. Okay. So just to be clear, I've actually seen... All of episode one, and I just have 10 minutes left of episode two. Okay. But I think the things that were supposed to happen happened. Yeah. We aren't going to spoil anything because this is super fresh. And even at the end of December, this will be super fresh. Yeah. And we can have our spoiler conversation after if we want. Okay. Okay. I think that's only reasonable. Fair. And because this is just small talk, we don't have that much space. I'm going to give like a quick review of the first two episodes. Yeah. I'm going to say not as bad as I thought it would be. Okay. Could be better. Mm-hmm. But the ending of episode one goes somewhere I had no I'd had no way to predict. I was oh, really? I did not think I did not think that's where it was gonna go until it started to happen. Okay. Like once it once you know, once the thing you know, there's a certain point where you're like, Oh, I think this is where this is going. Uh-huh. But and like how it's edited and all of that, you kind of like figure it out. But if you're like at the beginning of the episode and like I was kind of wondering, like, where are we going? What is happening mm-hmm. here? But eventually, by the end, I was very surprised. And I was I was really impressed with how ballsy of a move that was. Okay. Because I, I did not think that they would do that. And it, it's a very right move to do. Also, I really like how they addressed the Samantha issue. I okay. thought that they would, like, I thought they would do something obvious. They were really honest about it. Mm-hmm. And that was really refreshing. I think my biggest gripe, I think the big things worked. And generally speaking, the big beats are working, even in episode two. Yeah. It's the small things that aren't really like carrying over. Yeah, like it's these new like, characters, things like yeah, that. Yeah, the new characters. And I think one of the reviews I read put it best. It's kind of like whoever is writing this took these three characters and took them from 20 years ago and put them into 2022. It's like they haven't lived the last 22 years mm-hmm. or 20 years. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. like Carrie is just getting on Instagram. Really? <clears throat> like that's not, that's dumb. She's on a podcast. She's on a podcast. Like you were trying to be, we're trying to be relevant and timely and I get it. But like, it's almost as if you forgot that chances are these women were doing these things before. Yeah. Like they had, they had lived through the conversations and the things from episode in this post-COVID world, years, years before. Because, mm-hmm. like, are podcasts thoughts. aren't new. Podcasts have been around oh, for, like... yeah, podcasts are When old. did Serial come out? 2010? Like, it's been... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, almost a decade. Yeah, Carrie would have been, like, done with that. She would have, she would have her own now. successful podcast, yeah. if we're yeah, being honest. Exactly. But Your to thoughts. that... So, the, the big shocker at the end of the first one, I actually did predict that. And I at predi- what point, though? Uh, I, so, I think I knew that going in. Okay. I don't know why. I think I knew. I think I might have read something from somewhere like okay. a while ago. Like, or I think there was 
suppose when they were talking about doing a third movie, I think that yes. was something that was released. Yes, that was going to be. There are. Yes. Yeah, I think. Anyways, we have to talk about it afterwards because I really don't want to spoil it for okay. people. But yes, I can see the thought process. Yes, and so I saw it from the beginning of the episode. Like there are certain yeah. things I saw that I was like, "Oh, this is going to happen." Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't really surprised with that. What I, I'm surprised that you liked the Samantha explanation because I don't one bit. And I think my biggest problem with this like new series is that they they're not staying true to who these people are. Like Samantha is one of the most loyal friends <laughs> that you will ever have. And the excuse that they've used for the reason why she's like no longer in this circle just does not make sense to me. But you're also a big fan of Samantha. I am a and big you've fan. You've always been. Yeah. She's your favorite character. She makes the show for me. Yeah. yeah. I had never felt that way. I actually thought Samantha at times was like I'm 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 not like it has nothing to do with her like sexuality. I just thought she was too much of a person. Okay. Like I don't think I think she was really written. But you kind of need that. She's like the Shoshana of girls. Anyways. Well, I never watched there you go. girls. You, you do need that, though. You need that person in there. And I think they're trying to do that with um, the podcast host. Like, they're trying to make her yeah. like the new Samantha, which I'm like, mm, I don't love this. But then also, I just feel like they're not staying true to these women. Because, like, especially in the Miranda character, like, I don't think this is a spoiler, but they're making her out to be like a Karen I think they're making her out to be less of a Karen and more of someone who just isn't like... Miranda was the most woke out of all of them. I hate the using, most, I'm not using that word. She Like, for lack of a better word, she was the most yeah. woke out of all of that, them. And that's they're and making, that's kind of where I was... Yeah, that's where I'm going with the idea that, like, Miranda would know all the things. Yeah, if anyone is going to be a Karen... She wouldn't have made those faux pas. It's going to yeah. be Charlotte. Charlotte yes, should be the one yes. making those mistakes. But yes. then also, they've also made it out that she's, like, so, like, old school and doesn't know anything about technology. She literally has a, an arc where she's obsessed with her TiVo. And her TiVo is not working and she needs to make... She was on top of stuff. She no, couldn't go on her TiVo also crops out because of herself. Okay, but she also, on her honeymoon with Steve, she's, like, in the middle of the woods and being like, no, I need my cell phone. I need my my laptop. Like, I can't do this. And, like, you're trying to tell me that she can't hold a Kindle? <laughs> like, she needs to hold it. I don't know. I, I, don't I don't like I, where this I, is going. <laughs> really, I'm fascinated by that because I feel like I'm I'm interested. I'm not, like, in love with it. I also didn't love Sex in the, the City. I think, personally, you have to watch Sex in the City in the hype of Sex in the City mm -hmm. to get Sex in the City. I think when you watch it after the fact, it d has not aged well at all. No. Like, none of the and show. And they're trying to make up None of the characters. That, yeah. And they're trying to make up for that. Yeah. And I think what worked about Sex in the City was how, in at the time, it felt. Yeah. And how relevant. But I don't miss Samantha. I really don't. Because I think Samantha, really? uh, yeah, I, I, and her character essentially killed the the second movie, which was terrible as it was. And then the second movie, she she was actually the worst part of that movie. And I like mean, that movie is just awful. I don't think you it's can awful point it to all one around. So I've never I've never gotten on board with her as a character. Mm -hmm. I saw it, and it has nothing. It, it's very easy to assume it's because like she's a a woman in control of her sexuality. It wasn't that. I just thought. She was like this oversexed woman who couldn't control herself. But Whereas like Miranda was kind of like 
in Miranda was probably the most real character. She was a sexual woman and she liked sex, but she also knew there was a time and a place for everything. Whereas, yeah, but they're different people and you have to have different characters on a show when you're talking about four women that are friends sure. because they all bring a different vantage point. It's the view on TV. But my whole thing is that I don't think Samantha, Samantha felt like a character, whereas Miranda felt like a woman, feels like a woman. Okay. I think Samantha has like a good character arc though in terms of the series because then by the first movie you do see she's like changed and made herself different the second movie just like throws that all away and puts all it away. in the bin but anyways, anyways. if there's but if there's <laughs> anybody who's the gonna be podcast if there's anybody who's inept with technology it should be carrie yeah and i'm just i'm still very upset about that so and i also don't like watching? carrie i'm gonna keep watching because like that the how the first episode ends is really interesting to me um, and I want to see what they're going to do with the series, but mm-hmm. I didn't love it. I just was like, oh, I didn't oh. love it. No, it's definitely missing. It's like up and down and like highs and lows. Part of it I feels think... like old white woman jokes to me. And I'm like, I don't get that. Yeah. yeah. We're just not there. Quickly, Mita. Mm. Last thing before we move on to the other big thing. Yes. <gasps> Mita, what did you watch? This week at Mita at the movies, it is Mita and Nadine at the movies. Yes. Um, I went and saw West Side Story on And I also Friday. went and saw West Side Story over the weekend. <laughs> so we both saw West Side Story. We did. That's so exciting. Okay. So I gave my thoughts first on and just like that. So I'd like to hear your thoughts first. Okay. So going into it, I think you and I had been talking about this for a while. And I really did not understand why Steven Spielberg was remaking West Side Story. It's just like, what's the point of this? I get he wants to do a musical. But like, is he going to do this justice? Because the original is so good. It's it's a fun watch. And I actually watched it before I went and saw the new one. Yeah. This is so good. (laughs) (laughs) My heart just like was so overwhelmed like i was so giddy watching this i feel like it's executed so well they've made some changes in terms of like um where songs are placed and even um who's singing them and like what the background of things are and it they it all the changes i was like no this makes sense like this Mm -hmm. This is a movie that is set in the 1950s, but it makes so much sense in 2021. And he's made it so relevant to today. And I just was like, I, I, I'm so in love with this. And I was so happy mm-hmm. to see it. And I now want to know how you feel about it. So first things first, West Side Story is my favorite American musical. Yeah. Full stop, period. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. It's a five-star film. I love it. I adore West Side Story. Mm-hmm. I've seen it multiple times. I was planning to see it on the stage when I lived in Vancouver and I wasn't able to make it work. I took my wife to see a version of it here with the National Canadian Orchestra. They like where you watch the movie and the orchestra plays oh, the I score. Yeah. It was it was amazing. It was such a great experience. I have seen this in many ways. So I my expectations were not high for this because I was like, there's no way it's meeting that expectation. Yeah. So I kind of went in with the like, I want to see what's, what this is about. Mm-hmm. Because content and music wise, it's going to be good. Because yeah. I like the content and the music. I just want to see what Steven Spielberg does with it. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, I really do agree with you. It felt very like timely, despite the fact that it was still in the 1950s. Yeah. I love how he picturizes a lot of the songs. Mm-hmm. Like I love... Cool. I, I, 
No. Oh. Cool is one of my biggest gripes, actually. Really? I loved what he did with Cool. Because I like conceptually, theoretically, I like what he does with Cool. It makes a lot of sense in the movie. It Mm -hmm. works really well. But Cool in the original West Side Story is one of my favorite songs. And it's picturized so well, and it's so fun, and in the garage with the lights, with the snapping, it's so good. It's a Gap, it's that Gap commercial. (laughs) And now you've kind of, I get what he's done. Like, I really do understand, theoretically and conceptually, why Tony Kushner moved it there, and like, how it's picturized. It does make a lot of sense. Yeah. But I miss that. I miss the garage of it. The, like, high tension and all of that. Like, I do miss that. I do love the Mambo. I love (gasps) the garage dance. I love the gymnasium dance. America, I'm kind of like up and down about because America is my favorite America. song from the original. Yeah. And this, I really love it, but I hate that they changed some of the lyrics to be more like correct or whatever. Like okay. even in I Feel Pretty, she says, I feel pretty and witty and bright. Yeah, she doesn't no, she say feels, gay. She feels gay. Gay still That's describes what she feels. that same thing. It's still, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not a pejorative term. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why we had to change it. And like in America, it's a lot of things. She doesn't say like, Puerto Rico, this my heart's devotion, let it sink back in the ocean. Mm-hmm. And like that whole section has changed. So anyways, those kind of things bothered me. I think the other thing I kind of took away from it was um, I really did like it yeah. overall. I really did like it. It's super long. So long. Like super, super long. But so was the original. The, but the original, because it has that like the prologue and the intermission and it like things just kind of flow better in the original, I'll say. Yeah. That intermission really does make a difference. It does. (laughs) It really does. And I was partially hoping for it because I had to pee like a mother. Yeah. So I was really hoping for that, you know, break and I didn't get it. And it's it's like two hours and 40 minutes. And it feels like two hours and 40 minutes. I did think there are two things. I was like, if you wanted to remake this, why didn't you remake it in the present? Where racism and racial tension is so high right now. Mm Mm-hmm. It would have been so interesting to transport that into, like, modern-day New York with, like, again, it could have been, like, Puerto Ricans versus white people. It really could have been that. But, like, in a post-Trump or Trump world, Mm -hmm. like, what that would have felt like and have, like, the dance at the gymnasium take place in a nightclub and, like, just be a little bit more creative with it. We have In the Heights right now, so Uh, I think there's that. But I wonder if that was the case. Would this... Feel, would it hit too close to home? Would it be like this was so fresh to me and just like exhilarated me because it's taking me away from present day. I'm not seeing people in modern clothes. I'm not seeing people like in this modern atmosphere. It's from a time that I'm not familiar with. And so I'm being taken on this adventure of looking yeah. at at Tony and Maria. And I, I feel like if it, I, cause I did, that was my thought process going into it. Like, why is he doing this now? Why? Cause like you could do this in the present day. You could do a modern storytelling. But w- once I was watching it, I was like, Oh no, I get this. Like this is, it's, yeah. a, it's a movie musical. It is bringing back that sentiment of something so large and so grand. It makes sense to have it in a different time period. Yeah. I kind of get that. Yeah. I will say. I was really impressed with Steven Spielberg in this Mm -hmm. because I know everyone is asking and everyone's wondering and I just want to, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I do want to put your concerns to rest that aliens do not make an appearance in this (laughs) musical by Steven Spielberg. He didn't do it, guys. He didn't do it. He had so much constraint. Yeah. And I think he deserves a lot of recognition for that constraint. And he's 75 years old. Yeah. This does feel very youthful, too. No way my dad could direct what (laughs) I 
Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, to, to do this this far into your career is, is very impressive. It and is. I walked away just so, so happy. And I haven't felt like that in a really long time after seeing a movie. Yeah. It's a movie I would go to the theater to see again. Yeah. yeah. I would watch like, it at home. No, I would watch it at yeah. home. I will probably watch it at home. But like, I would go to a theater to see it again. Okay, yeah. And not because I loved it. It's not like Parasite where I was just like, this is amazing. Yeah, because it's not like, new. It's it's not new. And it it's definitely, it's not as good as the original in my opinion. It's not as close. But... It's very relevant and very pertinent. Yeah. Because I felt like the original had that freshness and like that dance choreography oh, and like so how good. things moved. It's so amazing. And the and lighting. It's great. The lighting, the lighting. The set design. Yeah. yeah. But this is still good. I will say, last point, because we should move on. The acting is amazing, especially by the women. Yes. Ansel Elgort has the charm and personality of a thumb. <laughs> I actually was surprised by his singing voice, though. Sure. I didn't expect that. He has zero screen presence. Yeah, but we've also known that about him. Like, I've never really found him. That's why I was upset about that casting, if you remember. Technically, in my head, casting does make sense. Yeah. Because he's a ballerina. Yeah, well, it just kind of works. But, right, Rachel Ziegler and Ariana DeBose, so good. Ariana DeBose. So good. Anita is just a really well-written character. She's, so she's beautiful. got great songs. She's got a great arc. She's got great scenes. Yeah. It's not that I'm saying her performance isn't great. It's just that Anita is she's hard to screw up. She has more depth. Yeah. Yeah. She has. She's the most interesting character on screen. Mm-hmm. And Ariana DeBose kills it. And she does. I hope she gets nominated to the very least. Oh, she will. I'm yeah. calling it now. <laughs> yeah. What about Rita Marino? I mean. I definitely bring something. I liked what they did with this character versus. So Rita Marino. The original Doc. Yeah. yeah, Is playing like the Doc from the original, but is now like Doc's wife and Doc has passed away. Doc's widow. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. So you brought up the fact that she could be nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Mm -hmm. I just I feel like that's a like a gimmick. I think it would be gimmicky if it happened. I think Ariana DeBose deserves it. She deserves it. Yeah. And possibly deserves the win. But Rita Marina getting nominated would be like a, hey, here's a woman who won an Oscar for a role appearing in the remake and getting another Oscar nomination. But um, what's the actress's name who plays Maria? Rachel. Rachel Ziegler. Phenomenal. Yeah, so good. So So good. good. So fresh. Like, so great. Gorgeous. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Like a gorgeous performance, not just her face. No, she's beautiful, but it's such a nuanced performance. yeah, Yeah, Much better than Natalie would. I'm just going to put it that Natalie Wood was in Puerto Rican. Uh, yeah. And the fact that he made sure that every single person who was playing a Latin character. Oh, one thing that did bother me, and what? we really do have to move on. Why was so much of it in Spanish? Oh, I enjoyed subtitled? that. He, he made, he, I, I can't remember what he said exactly, but he was like, this was a really conscious decision on my part. I didn't want people to feel like their language needs to be subtitled. And for the most part, you kind of understand it. it. But it it is distracting. You think? Because there's a lot of, it's not just like they speak Spanish and then they reiterate it in English. It's Mm -hmm. like, it would be like if... When people have like dialogue in Hindi and English, it's like when you say half of it in Hindi, half of it in English. Yeah. It's like you're only getting half of the context. And like, yeah, for overall, you get it. And this is a musical, but like you do understand what's happening. Yeah. And the, I really respect that, actually. If that's the directing choice, that's really quite 
It's yeah. He didn't that's want people to feel like they that's have to do. That's a very smart do, choice. Yeah. yeah. Like, why should we be different? But then you know you just are. Why make I'm, a big deal out of it? Language is the thing. People yeah. speak different languages. Yeah. And like, and like you are honestly, making an English language picture. If you were in 1950s and you were in that area, that's what it would be like. That's they what would, it would be, be and like, you yeah. as the American, if you're the riff, riff or biff. Riff. Riff. Nope. If you're the riff, 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 you're not going to know what they're saying. I really enjoyed riff in this movie. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're not going to know what they're saying. So you're kind of in that same position. Anyway, I mean, I feel like we'll come back to this <laughs> yeah. at some point because we're just getting into award season. But I think I think it's time to move on. We have talked about a lot of things and we still have a huge thing to talk about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because the last movie of the year was my pick. It was, Nadim. And I decided to pick this very small independent movie <laughs> that I don't know if people ever heard about. It's from the 1940s and it's called Citizen Kane. Wow. Yeah. I had never heard of it. Yeah, I'm just a real movie buff and that's why I know these things. So yeah. I don't feel bad. It was just like sort of like a hole in the wall kind of place you found, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Also, for people who don't know, Citizen Kane is regarded by many as the greatest <laughs> movie ever made. The greatest film of all time. Of all time. That is that's the, actually its, yeah. That's, that's its, its nomer. <laughs> that's its nomer. Yep. Mita, do you want to give us a quick discro? Of course. Let me just pull up my notes. <clears throat> IMDb discros Citizen Kane as... Following the death of publishing tycoon Charles Foster Kane, reporters scramble to uncover the meaning of his final utterance. Rosebud. Okay. Yeah. That's it. That's literally it. That's that's the premise of the movie. Yeah. Um, and then you're sort of guided through this reporter. He while researching why did he say Rosebud, we learn about Charles Foster Kane and mm -hmm. his life from a child to his death. But Nadim, yes. I am curious, what was your reasoning behind choosing Citizen Kane? I think you're laughing because if there ever was a movie to watch before the end of the world, it's Citizen Kane. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, this is very self-explanatory. <laughs> you have to watch it. Mm -hmm. Not because it is the greatest movie ever made, but because people say it's the greatest movie ever made. Mm -hmm. So you have to, if you are a film buff, if you are a movie person, you have to have an opinion about Citizen Kane. Yeah. That goes... Without saying, you don't have to have an um, an opinion about any other movie, actually. You have to have an opinion about Citizen Kane. So it was a very obvious choice that this, when I heard you hadn't seen it, I, it was like, I was like, absolutely, this is going on the list. It's just a matter of time. So there is, Winter plays a significant role in this movie. Yeah. So that's why I decided to put it in the holiday season. And I thought, what better way to end the year than with, Something the so. greatest movie ever made. Yeah, that's fair. So movie, Mita, movie Mita. <laughs> Mita, is this the greatest movie ever made? Well, okay, to start, <laughs> I want to start with, you're probably thinking, Mita, you haven't seen Sizzitin' Kane. What are you doing with a podcast about movies? And you're right. That's a fair thing. <laughs> that's a fair thing to say. I think, um, I don't have a reason why I've never seen it. Accessibility is one thing because, like, yeah. streaming, I don't think it was on streaming before the last like few years at least. Yeah. Um, and I'm quite young, <laughs> everyone. So, <laughs> yeah, because the ripe young age of I'm, 30. I'm a baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, accessibility is one thing. I think I sometimes really pride myself on being that person that, like, hasn't seen anything. 
before. Like, I still have not seen Avatar, and I love that about myself. (laughs) That's, like, my fun fact that I give to people sometimes. Never seen Avatar. Oh, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) But that being said, I also feel like I have... Like, I admitted earlier this year that in my youth, (laughs) I have lied about movies that I have seen before just to give off the impression that I am cool. And Is this one of them? This is one of them. Okay. I definitely have have fibbed and been like, yeah, I've seen it. (laughs) So good. It's also one of those things, though, especially in the last few years, I have gathered enough information about the movie and, like, what it's about. Okay. That it didn't excite me enough mm-hmm. to actually watch it. Yeah. Now, you asked me, is this the greatest film of all time? Mm-hmm. I think that's the dumbest question yeah. <laughs> in the world. Because the more we do this podcast, I realize that movies are so subjective. So subjective. So subjective. And there's no way. How do you measure that? How do you measure what makes the greatest film of all time? Mm-hmm. And... Watching this, I was enthralled because it is based, so Charles Foster Kane is based off William Randolph Hearst. And if you know me, you know I love William Randolph Hearst and I love the idea of like Hearst Castle. And I want to tell a story, but first I'll just get to my point and then I'm going to tell a story about how much I love Hearst. Anyways, um, you know I love those things. And so this story, I felt like it was made for me. Because it gives an insight into that time period and like what was going on in terms of this man's career and his motives um, and how he lived his life. And that is just very exhilarating in itself. Mm-hmm. Watching it, I was like, okay, if I was in, this just came out in 1941, what would my impression be? And I actually was just like, I think this is just, it's a fine film. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find anything that I was really... That made me understand why it has this this nomer. Why are people calling it the greatest film of all time? Like it is, it is well performed, it is well written. It looks really great for that time period as well. And it is very the story is still relevant today. And I feel like you could release something like this today, and it would still be well received. But then I was reading that this wasn't actually that popular at the time. No. And I kind of feel like I'm the ideal audience for 1941 then because I was like, what is so amazing about this? And I'm asking you, what is so amazing about okay. this? Um, so I just want to go back to what you said about like, you, you, there's, who can answer that question? And the answer yeah. is literally nobody. Mm-hmm. Movies are personal choices. And so I don't think you can sit back and categorically say this is the greatest movie ever made. Yeah. You could say it's a very influential influential movie. It's a very important film. Mm-hmm. You could say a lot of things, but I don't think you can say that it is categorically the best movie ever made. I can, I think one of the best, I read like a review on IMDb from like a random viewer and they're like, I admire this film more than I adore it. And I Ooh, think that is yeah. the best description of That's Citizen That's a good Kane. way to describe it, yeah. I think this is a very handsomely made film. Mm-hmm. It is very well made. It is a very good film. Just even from like a, from a standpoint of watching a film, it is a very well made film. It is technically spectacular considering it was made in 1940. It is it redefined how certain like film convention 
And I think that's why it's considered so great. There's some techniques in this film that blew my mind that they were done in 1940. Like there were things that I'm like, how did you accomplish this without CG? There's one specific shot when they go to the Chronicle newspaper and there's a shot of, they're on a shot of a picture mm-hmm. and they zoom into the picture and then the picture turns into real life. Okay, yeah. And I'm just like, how, how did they do that? Do this? Yeah. <laughs> it's a picture. Magic. I saw the picture. Like, what was the, what was the, and how it's a, how you realize it's a real picture is one of the men, there's like 10 men in it. He just like blinks or he'd move slightly. It's like, there's some real amazing things in this film yeah. to marvel at from a filmmaking perspective. And like, the cinematography is absolutely unreal. It is so, it looks like at times like Roger Deakins filmed it. Like, with a 4K camera. Yeah. That shot, there's that shot in the early beginning where he goes to the bank to read the diary. And she opens a door and the sunlight is streaming exactly on the pa- like the book. And mm-hmm. everything is centered. It just, it looks spectacular. This movie is really, it's like a filmmaker's dream because it's so well mounted. This movie is so boring, though. <laughs> Did you find it boring? I actually, this is the second time I've seen it. I actually haven't seen it beyond, like, I saw it the original time. I find it an interesting movie, but I do find it, I don't find it arresting. Mm, I like, think... I don't find it, and I think one of the big problems that I realized is that the, the, I don't even want to call it a twist, but the pursuit of Rosebud is, it's a very fascinating way to frame your story. Yeah. But because of where we are, it's now 80 years later. And everyone knows what Rosebud is. And I'm not going to say it, just in case whoever, the one, one person, person listening to yeah, that was me. doesn't know. But I even, yeah. I knew what it was. Did you know? Okay. I didn't know. And that's my thing. I, I think in 1940, if I was watching this, my reaction would have been, I would have wanted to know what Rosebud was and how that led to it. And then the end, I think, would have had more of an impact, which would, where the movie would have had more of an impact. Whereas when I'm watching it now, and I know what Rosebud is, and I know what the pursuit is... I'm watching it to maybe understand what Rose, like the significance of Rosebud in his life and why it was his last word. Mm-hmm. But I miss that mystery and I miss that sense of wonder that it, like, that led to that. Yeah. It kind of, so there's two things I want to say to that though. I feel like the message of this film, like this introspective of a man's life and like, it can a man be defined by one word? That gets really lost in sort yeah. of the spectacle of watching this movie and realizing like, oh, wow, like, these are things that they did in the 40s. Like, this is really amazing. I feel like it gets muddled in and, like, you don't walk away with that sentiment as much as they wished it to be. But then it also just reminded me so much of, like, The Sixth Sense, where as soon as you know... What a weird comparison. No, but as soon as you know that twist, anytime you watch it, you're just like, how did I miss this? Or, like, it just ruins the experience altogether. It feels so obvious, yeah. And so I knew... I knew what Rosebud was once I started watching. Like, I knew it from just, like, being alive in the world. And I knew it going into watching this movie. And so that that sense of mystery was really lost on me. But I I do really like the characters in this. And I'll go into my story time now. Yeah, please. Once upon a time, I was watching an episode of Dateline. Surprise, Mm -hmm. surprise. And the woman, she always used to wear this, like, diamond tennis bracelet and she was found murdered, but like the lead up to her murder was that they knew she had left her diamond brace, tennis bracelet at home. So they knew she didn't like leave to go somewhere because she would never leave the house with this diamond tennis bracelet. 
I was watching this episode like shortly after my mom had passed away and my mm-hmm. sister for her 25th birthday, my mom bought her a diamond tennis bracelet. And when I was watching that episode, I had like an emotional breakdown because I realized like for my 25th birthday, I'm never going to get this diamond tennis bracelet. Mm-hmm. And then I was telling my sister this. My sister said, OK, like I will get you one when you turn 25. Mm-hmm. So then my 25th birthday rolls around and my sister goes, OK, do you want the diamond tennis bracelet or would you like to go on a trip to California? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what does this trip entail? And she's like, we can start in San Francisco and we can go down to LA and we'll do mm-hmm. a, the drive and whatnot. And then I realized that means we could stop in San Simeon and we could visit the Hearst <laughs> Castle. And I was like, screw this diamond tennis bracelet. We are going to Hearst Castle because I am in love with it and like obsessed with the idea of Hearst Castle and all the parties that have happened there. And if you don't know what this is, William Randolph Hearst um, was like a newspaper giant uh, in the 30s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, in time. Around that time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And he built, so in the film, it's called Xanadu. Um, But in real life, it's called Hearst Castle. And he built this just ornate mansion in the middle of california and it's so gorgeous it's stunning i have pictures maybe we should post them on our instagram (laughs) because they're just so like i i i might cry when i think about them because like it's really stunning to be in it's like going to what i imagine going to like vatican city would be and like looking Mm. at the vatican like it's just it's pretty amazing that people have built this and that it even exists and that you can tour it and you can go and see the pools and see all these different rooms and like where they slept. And the set design in this movie is so similar to the actual Hearst Castle. It's like, oh, I've been there. I know what that. Yeah. yeah. They did a really good job of, of showing that. But anyways, I love Hearst Castle so much. And that was my story time. You could cut it out if you no, want. That's a story. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, I said no to the te- diamond tennis bracelet because I knew that I could go visit Hearst Castle. Yeah. yeah. Back to Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> but th- that's what really interested me is yeah. the the stories of these people. This like newspaper. Con- I want to call him the conglomerate, but he's not this tycoon and the woman that he has had in his life that he's been married to and that he brings in and out. There's one character specifically who's supposed to represent the actress Marion Davies, and she sort of leads this sort of tragic relationship with him while living in this like mansion. And the whole time watching it, I was thinking, I was like, Donald Trump has seen this movie and Donald Trump wants this life. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Like, at one point, he has political aspirations, and he's... What is he running for? Governor. Governor. And just his approach towards everything and, like, building these, like, ornate mansions. Donald Trump, I think this might be his favorite film, and he might say that this is the greatest film of all time. And then I thought to myself, do I want to be in that same pool (laughs) as Donald Trump, thinking that this is amazing? I think saying this is amazing is dangerous because I feel like it could come off very preachy is not really the word, but kind of like, oh, my favorite movie of all time is Citizen Kane. It's so like predicted. Predicted. And it's so predictable. And it very well might be. It Like there might be people who have an emotional connection to Citizen Kane for what it means and all of that. But when I watch it now and I'm like, this is a very good movie. 
It's a very good movie. It's a very well-made movie. I think as a filmmaker, it's it's amazing. As a it's interesting. I think the screenplay is very good, and I like the I like the I like how the story unfolds. I do think that if this was made as a modern day story, it would be more interesting to not have the way the reporter discovers everything be chronological. Yeah, because it probably wouldn't have been that wouldn't way have to been. begin with. Yeah. So it would have been more interesting is like as he's doing his discovery, things kind of like they shift in and out of order. Memento style. Memento style. Yeah. But like I think and then you kind of piece things together. Here's my question though. Yeah. He died alone. How do we know Rosebud? That was a big question. And actually I, I had to look this up, but at the end the butler actually says he was in the room. Oh, okay. Yeah. They didn't make that clear. <laughs> it's not super clear, especially because in the beginning it looks like he's alone because yeah. the nurse walks in. Yeah. It's like but, very knives out. Yeah. But the butler says he was in the room. And like whether the butler's telling the truth or not, the butler is the one who sets the tone. Yeah. So that is what it is. Interesting. I interrupted you though. Sorry. No, I was just saying like, again, good movie. Yeah. And I think I just would have wanted, I think, like, when I'm going to rate this movie, I'm not rating it as a piece of work. Mm -hmm. It kind of reminded me of Lincoln in that way. Okay. But not as good. Okay, yeah. Like, Lincoln's not as good? Lincoln's not as good as Okay, yeah, I was like, wait, what? Yeah, Lincoln is amazing. No, I found Lincoln was a handsomely mounted film that was so boring. Like, I would never watch Lincoln again. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of... A very well-made film that is much more engaging and much more interesting, but it's better made than it, I think, is, uh, than I think it is enjoyed. Well, yeah, as you're saying this, I'm thinking, like, what purpose would I have to watch this again? Like, what? I didn't walk away thinking, like, I need to see this again. I need to, like, you know, the scene was so amazing. I want to watch it again. And there's nothing that's really, about the storyline, at least, that, like, really takes you away and you're like, oh, my gosh, like... Such a compelling story. Yeah. yeah. They're really interesting characters and they're written well and performed well. And the movie like does what it sets out to do, but it's not the, it's, I just don't, I don't understand the no more. I don't know why there's people who like stand by this and say it's the greatest piece of cinema ever made. I actually think something like Parasite is so much better because it does have that thrilling aspect to it. There's something new to watch every time. It's something that you'd want to repetitively go over and over. I feel like that should be part of the bucket when you think about like what makes the best film. Best of the best? The best. I think that's interesting. And I think, I think, I mean, the last time I think, is it City and Sound or Sight and Sound? Did their list? Vertigo took Vertigo the is something that you should watch over and over because there is something to pull. Yeah, each time vertigo is very interesting too and i think it's the same idea that like how can a movie be how can movies be ranked Mm -hmm. because how can art itself be put into such an objective form when it is so subjective and that's kind of it i think there's a lot to learn from citizen kane i think it has influenced our filmmaking immensely yes and i think for that it is a notable and important film and i think at the time it was probably and for the influence, it probably was very important and probably was very great. I think as time has gone on, the effects of it have maybe thinned. Mm-hmm. Whereas it is an excellent, ma- excellently made film. There's no denying that. My like ups and downs about it are very like, they're very thin. Yeah. 
it is at the end of the day an, an exceptionally made film. And I think I it's think, inspired a lot of things too, which is yeah, is great because you do need that. We need some reference points to look at things. Like I did, I felt like, oh, like watching Knives Out, there were some things that did remind me of this. Or like even watching Mank, which is yes. about the making of, yeah. or the writing of Sizzling Kane. Like there are choices that I want to watch it again because after watching this, I was like, there's things that Fincher's doing there that I think are supposed to mimic what's in this movie. And I kind of yes. want to do it side by side and see what what those are. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing, that that would be really interesting to do, because I feel like Mank would have a, now that I've seen this, especially so recently, I feel like Mank was also kind of like, nice, but kind of like boring. Because these stories are just, they're not like, they're not thrilling stories that are really going to like get your motor going. Like It's also not a universal story, I'll say. It's true, yeah. It's not like West Side Story. (laughs) It's This is harder to relate to. Yeah. Because I'm not a white man from the 1940s. No, nor are you a reporter. Like, it's a very niche kind of, like, place. And so I don't know if... I just don't know if I see myself in it or if I, if I see anything in it. And mm-hmm. again, once you know the mystery, once you know what Rosebud leads to, does it still hold? Well, so is the notion of Rosebud itself satisfactory? Is that really... So that I actually really love about this. I me too. I like that it's not this like it's not some lo- lost love. Yes, it it is a lost love, but not in the way that you think it would yes. be. Yes. it's not some woman that he's pi- let's spoil it. It's not some woman he's piled over for like years. It's the sleigh that he used to ride when he was a child. Yeah, and that the last time he probably was happy in his life and felt yeah. joy was when he was riding that sleigh in the snow, and I think that's so beautiful. But it gets really lost in this movie. So is that what you think the meaning of it is? I think his whole life he's trying to... He didn't have very much of a childhood because early mm-hmm. on he realized he was going to have be this heir to, all, to yeah. this fortune. And I don't think they afforded him the the childhood that he deserved and i think he's always grasping for it that's why he searches for like a younger woman for companionship because she represents the things that he wish he always could have had and i think at the end of his life thinking back what was the last time like i i hope at the end of my life i'm thinking what's the thing that made me the happiest i hope it's not something from like when i was 10 but (laughs) for like when was the last time i was happy he's his thought is this one the sleigh that he had that he got to to ride as a kid and have fun. Yeah, I've always felt that it was the representation of the last time he was truly happy was when he had this sled. Mm-hmm. His whole life, he's accomplished so much. He's become so famous, all this money, all this fame. Like he, he has the world at his fingertip. But the last time he was truly, truly happy was when he was riding that sled. And then everything goes downhill from there. Yep. I think it's very simple. And I think that... I've talked about this before that sometimes when you have it, it's not the who we done it, it's the why done it, right? Yeah. I think this is this is one of those places where the who done it is actually very satisfactory because I don't think if it had been a woman, if it had been some like lost love, if it had been some like treasure, if it had been something else that expected, yeah. it wouldn't have met your expectation. But the fact that it was so simplistic and so forgettable, right? elevates that and i think that is actually quite magical like that sense of like even watching it now knowing Mm. what the ending is but seeing that scene unfold and like it burning in the fire and all of that i was gonna say that symbolism of like his childhood is now dying along with him 
Yeah. Like, that's just really... And it was a very, like, it's a beautiful scene to watch. And it still is very, like, striking to see that whole sequence and the smoke in the air. Like, the symbolism and how it unfolds. I'm like, oh, this is... This it's, is mint. It's thought out. This is very well done. Mank knew what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, Mank knew what he was doing. And he Orson Welles knew how to, like... He's he knew, drunk. He knew how to, you know, <laughs> turn it out. Yep. So that's what I think... That's what I think... There are certain things about this that are timeless. Mm-hmm. And that are... They show you how a good movie... I think this does show you how a great movie can be made. Yeah. But then I'm also thinking, though, is like so many things try to do this after the fact. Like they try to be the Sizzit and Kane of like this genre. I can't think of examples in my head. But (laughs) the idea of like we have this like really complicated idea that like what is Rosebud, but then it turns out to be the most simplistic thing. I think it's executed so well here, but that can get so... Well, actually, I don't feel like the execution works here because I think there's a lot of people that wouldn't walk away with that sentiment. Like, I feel like there's still people who would walk away being like, well, I don't get it. Like, what what was so Yeah, but that's because that? people are dumb. Oh, okay. I'm not no, dumb. No, I, so, I don't mean to be, like, dismissive <laughs> of it, but I do think that, like, the solution is very sophisticated. <laughs> and, like, I just, the people are just like, oh, that's dumb. It's a sled. It's like, cool, you have, you just lost, you just don't understand the movie then. I just feel like using that as inspiration is kind of cliche in a way. Like if people saw this, I'm trying to think of an example right now, but I can imagine like if I'm in screenwriting class or whatnot, I'm going to look at like Susan and Kane and try to make my own version of this. And I just feel like it should be respected here. But like if you're going to try to remake it, that's just really a cop out. I don't think you should try to remake it. No. I do think that what the, the sentiment in the kind of like the the technicality of the plot point mm-hmm. that like it wasn't someone, it wasn't something big, it wasn't money, that it was a childhood sled yeah. is very impactful and it's very deep yeah. as a like as a plot point reveal. I think you just take that that notion that like when you have a mystery, the goal is to make it unexpected, but mm-hmm. still have it be meaningful. Yeah. That's it. Do you have any sequel prequel ideas? I do. Um, so my, I really am interested in the character of Susan Alexander Kane, yeah. who essentially is Marion Davies. She has quite the whirlwind romance with. She does. I almost said Hearst, but with Kane, <laughs> and it's a it's really interesting. And then we do see like after they've split up, like she's booze down and like having a hard time and i think that that would be a really interesting story to to look at like from her childhood to being married to the richest man in the world to then now being you know in a bar drinking every night i think that that's interesting um the other thing i wanted to bring up it's not so much a sequel prequel for this but i have spoken to you about this before and it goes back to hearst castle mm-hmm. hearst castle was does architect the architect behind hearst castle was a woman and mm-hmm. this thing was made in like the 20s and the 30s and i think that that is something that not a lot of people know about and i think more people should and I, I've never done any research, but I'm imagining there's a lot of stories to be told there. Um, and I just would really like for somebody to write that movie and that, and I'm pitching it to you again. <laughs> okay. I will keep that in the back of my head. Her name was Julia Morgan. <laughs> she was the architect behind Hearst Castle. And it's pretty phenomenal because there are not a lot of female architects around in that time. And what she's sure. accomplished is amazing and seen. <laughs> Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you very much. <laughs>
I'm going to run into my rating. Okay. This is a hard movie to rate. And I think you have to have a really honest conversation with yourself mm-hmm. about, I think the easy answer is to be like, five stars, amazing, gorgeous, beautiful. But is that how you really feel? Because at the end of the day, how you rate something has to be how you feel about it as well. Yeah. It can't just be how you're supposed to feel. And I think there's a time in my life, just like you, where I would have said five stars, this is perfect. Just because I'm supposed because to, you're say, supposed that. to I'm su- say it. I'm supposed to have that thought. Yeah. But if I really reflect on it now, and I do think that this is a movie that has suffered from groupthink. Like, I really do think that I don't think a critic is allowed to say that it's anything other than perfect. Like, I don't think people, I do think there's a place where you will get judged heavily if yeah. you do, like, try to point out its flaws. Mm-hmm. And I think film, like, the community film criticism is probably one of them. Uh, my rating is not based on necessarily how I feel about it as a film because I do think it is a it is an exceptional film. I think especially for the 40s, what he accomplishes and how he presents it, it is marvelous. It is marvelous and it is still something to... When you remember that you're watching a movie that's 80 years old and you see some of these scenes, oh God. you should be impressed. You said you 80 really, and that just like hit me like yeah. a ton of bricks. Yeah. You really should be impressed that this was made back then. It is skilled work Mm -hmm. this is a movie that someone who knows what they're doing and took time and patience went in and made it is a very 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 well-made movie i don't find it pops off the screen for me personally that might be because i'm not an old white tycoon so in that i feel a bit of like a emotional distance from it because none of the themes none of the characters while good and interesting i don't think i necessarily emotionally connect with them even if their emotional journeys are interesting so when i rate this movie i'm rating it based on how i feel about it what i like about it versus what i could do without it i do think this is the definition of a movie to see before the end of the world and if you are movie buff you have to see this Mm -hmm. and this is a movie that i'll probably show like my kids when they're older and be like hey this is the greatest movie of all time let's watch it and see what you think I think it opens up interesting discussions. I think it's one of those movies you got to form an opinion about. For this podcast, I am giving it four stars. Four for Nadim. Okay. My turn? Yes. You just said 80 years and that just like, poof, like hit me <laughs> yeah. like a ton of bricks. As it should. Because I honestly was just like, this was made like not that long ago in my mind. Years. That being said, like this feels like it could have been made yesterday and that it yeah. is immensely impressive. I don't think there are many people who could make movies like that because we don't know these. <laughs> there are movies like that. And we've and, seen other old movies. That's the thing. Yeah. Like we, this whole month we've basically yeah. watched old movies and like, you know, the something like last week when we watched Meet Me in St. Louis, you know that that's from the 40s. Yeah. You can tell from like the sentiments behind it and even just watching it. This, like watching it, I kept thinking about Mank and Mank was made like in the last year, last year. And it it fits in with that. So yes, like David Fincher is taking aspects of this, but like the fact that he's able to take aspects of a film made 80 years ago and bring it into something present day and it doesn't feel dated and mm-hmm. old timey um, and irrelevant is really impressive. And so I will give that movie, this movie, all the credit it deserves for that because watching it, my notion the entire time, I 
did go into it with the idea that I wasn't going to find it immensely impressive because it just, it's been over-talked, I feel like. It's one Mm -hmm. of those ones that's maybe a little bit overrated. Um, And then in terms of like Orson Welles, last year we watched The Third Man. Yeah. Which I actually think is a better film. Yes. Than this. I do too. Yeah. And it's, it's a more interesting film. It's more interesting. There's there's more of a story there than there is here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I I really recommend that you listen to that podcast episode and yeah. that you watch that film um, because which one came first? This came first. I think this came first. This came first. It this is, was his first movie. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Because they brought him over from radio. But yes, The Third Man, I do think it is a better film. But for this being his first film in Hollywood, like that is, I will give it, it is it is really great. It is grand. To go back to the question of like, is this the greatest movie of all time? I have a really hard time answering that because I don't think it's a question that should exist. I think yeah. that people should have their feelings towards the movies that they love and everyone might have their own version of that. But yeah. I don't think that we should have this one bucket where we put some movies some, some of the time. And I also think a lot of those movies that are in these lists were made by white men and are not... Yeah. <laughs> um, Indicative not of like in, of, of the people of this world because yeah, I think absolutely. that should be different and like I don't think we should be just like going in on one thing. That being said, <laughs> this does have elements that I love. Like I love the idea of this like tycoon and his life story, and I love the sentiment behind the the mystery reveal in this movie. And I liked the set design of this. Like that ca- that house that he lives in Xanadu is spectacular. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to take away from this that's been referenced. Um, in years to come and that has had this lasting impression but I wasn't like wowed and so walking yeah. away I'm gonna go with three and a half and I'm losing my voice right now <laughs> yeah that's exactly it and I think the one thing I do want to say is that while this movie is quote-unquote overrated mm-hmm. it's no fault of the movies no. If that makes sense. Some movies, it's kind of the fault of the movies. I'll say that. Like, the movie itself, the aspiration is to be great or to be, like, an Oscar winner or whatever. Yeah. This feels like an earnestly made film that has been put on a pedestal and then, like, has been kept there for so long. Mm-hmm. But the movie itself, despite being overrated and overhyped, is still exceptional. It is still a good film. Yeah. It's just everybody talks about it. And, like, let's, let's watch some other things. I also think that, like, there's no way for you it to meet the hype. No, yeah. It's there's been too no long way. now. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one who's watching this now to be like, yeah, that was the greatest movie ever made. Right. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. <sighs> but that was the last movie of 2021 for our podcast, Citizen Kane. Yep, it was. So, Mita, that means you're picking the first movie <laughs> of 2021. Yes. So... This movie, I did not, I did wait, not have wait, it on. Wait, what? It's time. Oh, to sorry. Play. <laughs> okay, guys, it's time for different characters. Same, Same world. Yep. Okay, so I was inspired by Scissor and Kane. To choose this next one. I had something in mind, but I moved it down. Um, and so this next movie was inspiration. Or in the inspiration of Susan came came for my next pick. And so I, I've added it into the docket. 
I think you might be able to get it, but we'll see. Okay. 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 So they're all characters um, from films. They're all the actors in this movie. So no directors or producers or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Your characters are. Yes. Mary Jane Watson. Okay. Richard Gilmore. Okay. And Wesley. Wesley. And your timer starts now. Is Wesley from, is it, oh, what's his name? Is it from, it's him, it's him from 30 Rock? No. Oh. Is Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. Is Kristen Dunst? Yeah. Okay. Kristen Dunst. Watson. No, Wesley. 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 Wesley and Richard Gilmore. Richard Gilmore. 30 seconds. Wesley. 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 Richard Gilmore. Yeah. Oh, it's What's-His-Face from Gilmore Girls. But what's his name? Oh, God. <laughs> so it's that guy. That guy, yep. Oh, God. And Kristen Dunst? Yeah. Is it Melancholia? No. Okay. You have five seconds. And Wesley. Oh, God. You're going to have to give me the actors and then let me see. Okay. So one minute has passed. Yes. <laughs> the actors are Kirsten Dunst, Carrie Ewells, and Edward Herman. Okay, I don't know. So Mary Jane Watson is Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, Richard Gilmore is Edward Herman in The Gilmore Girls. So mm-hmm. sorry, I did a TV thing, but whatever. Yeah. Um, and then Carrie Yules is Wesley in The Princess Bride. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's yes. not where I was going. And do you know what the movie is? I don't know. So the movie is called The Cat's Meow. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Directed oh, by Peter Bogdan okay. Bo- Peter Bogdanovich. There you okay. go. Maybe who knows? We talked about this before. We have talked about it before. I started watching it. What? And never finished you it. You never finished it. Okay. No. Okay. How far into it did you get? I don't even remember. Okay. I turned it on like a weekend when I was like folding laundry, and I just never got into it. It's hard to find now. You're gonna have to watch it on Tubi, okay. which has ads, because that's the only place that has it now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. The cat's meow is what we're ringing in the new year with. Yep. Okay. I'm down for that. You feel good with it, though, even though you've, like, started it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Because okay. okay. I honestly don't remember anything. Okay. It's a murder mystery, right? It is. Okay. And... That's it. it. Yeah, that's all I'll say. Let's just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> but that's all for next year, Mita. Oh, my goodness. I know. Should we talk about... This year and like what I mean, it's it hasn't ended for no, us. No, it hasn't ended for the podcast. But I would like to say that I hope our listeners have a lovely New Year's. I as well. have a lovely holiday season. Yes. this is the end of December, and I hope you ring in the New Year uh, with health and happiness and excitement to continue listening to our podcast. We have exciting things planned for mm-hmm. season three. We are working on it. We are, and we are very excited to continue doing this. So we do love doing it. Uh, we hope you follow us into the new year. Yes. Season, I share the exact same sentiments that Nadim yeah. just shared with all of you. And I won't bore you with more of the same words that just cinnamon. <laughs> yeah. I won't bore you with the cinnamons. To, oh, no. <laughs> Synonyms. Synonyms. <laughs> but to, I just want to say that season three does not start next year. Season three no. starts. Yes, just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Season three will start probably like April. 
We'll yeah. have an exact date later on. Um, but it but will we, be next year. It'll be next year. It'll be yes. April 2022. But our next ep- next week's episode, The Cat's Meow, um, will be a continuation of the season. So don't be confused by that. Yes. But yes, Happy New Year. Thank you for yes. listening. Absolutely. We love you. Mita, do you have any parting words to end the year with? I do. Rosebud. How appropriate. Like, kind of anticlimactic, though. <laughs> no, I hope that our listeners they get it, get get the happiest point in their life or from this year. Remember that on their way out. Yes, and keep that memory as they move into the new year. There you go. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and rate and review. And we will see you next year in 2022 with the cat's meow. Woo! Have a lovely year. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon. <laughs>